Hey guys, Late Night Cage Fight, we're back again. Season 4, this is the first official film. We're going to be talking about Snake Eyes with our dearest Nicolas Cage. This is Cage Fighter Reese. I'm here with Cage Fighter Sean and Cage Fighter Steve. Are you guys pumped to talk about Snake Eyes? Oh yeah. I'm just I'm just really excited that we're finally getting to cover the G.I. Joe cinematic universe on this podcast. Sean. I know that that Nicolas Cage is a big G.I. Joe fan and Snake Eyes is is a character he l- Sean, that, that's the wrong Snake Eyes. Shit. Sean, you pulled a Steve. Did you pull a Steve? I think he pulled a Steve by just disappearing. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Where did he go? <laughs> can you not hear me? I can now. Oh, okay. That was that was weird. Did you hear him? Steve? I never left. No. Yeah, it was I, like I, a, I, I, I hmm. think my enthusiasm for the the GI Joe cinematic universe and uh, Henry Henry Golding's uh, storied acting career mm-hmm. is uh, you know just. Well, you know, I find it strange that you would get confused with the GI Joe movie because we literally watched Nick Cage's Snake Eyes together. We're kind of switching gears to a newer format. So what we're going to do this time is we're just going to take each movie one by one, one at a time. Steve will take it first. I'll get sloppy seconds and then Sean can have whatever's left. Does that sound good, Steve? That's how we usually do it. And and as part of that, I'm just going to name every episode as the title of the movie and review if that's what it is, because I feel like long term people who are looking for these episodes they're just looking for whatever movie it is we're talking about and so i'm just stripping things away that the naive part of me when i first started this thought would be a good idea and i've come to this conclusion after a long time editing these episodes producing them listening to other podcasts and mostly just listening to myself and realizing kind of how funny slash sad it was or it is to listen to our old episodes and hear me trying so hard to turn this into like a like a scholarly film critics type of podcast does that make sense oh yeah 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 i've just given up (laughs) i've basically given up on that i mean if you you know we can decide how deep we want to go um, kind of on the fly. I think oh, that's the best just way. Just a rabbit hole go. Yeah, yeah. So we'll just do it. So that long way. story short, uh, creativity. We're not doing that anymore. No, it's over. Um, Game yeah, over. It's all, of, it's all about search engine optimization. Yeah, you didn't buy baby. the stickers, right? I got a whole no. stack of stickers, bro. No, Stanley. <laughs> 
No, Broderbund Software is no longer um, sponsoring this podcast. Oh, okay. <sighs> but that's the way it's going to go. We're going to do each film by itself. That way folks can find it easier. And then that's that. Go listen to our our Snake Eyes one. Go listen to our 8mm one. Whatever it is. Our Christmas Carol one. Actually, I don't think we should do that by itself. Scratch that. <laughs> I read that Nick Cage, like, his character is barely even in that movie. Could you imagine? Um, yeah, I can, because I, I cause we were going to cover that one year, and I watched it, and, um, God, yeah, I wish I, I didn't watch that movie, but, uh... Steve, I love how much, know, I love how much we've unintentionally tortured Sean. Yeah. It's really great. <laughs> I, I think there have been multiple years where we have planned out holiday episodes, and I've actually yeah. like done the homework to get yeah. prepared for those. And then, sorry guys, it's, just, it's, it's the holidays. We're busy. Sorry you watched those <laughs> terrible movies. Oh man! Well, before we get into Snake Eyes, a twenty four. They have a new movie that is going to drop sometime next year, I think, starring Nick Cage. So our boys at A24 and girls, I guess, um, who did, you know, like Midsommar, Hereditary, Bo is Afraid, which is another Cage list that'll be coming out soon. Maybe, even, maybe even before this one. They got they got our they got our boy, old Nick, as the star. That's awesome, right? How do you feel about that? looks really good what movie it's called dream scenario and um we're gonna have steve load up the trailer so we can all watch it together oh we're watching it together yeah you want to okay yeah yeah let's watch it let me Steve, while while you're getting that queued up, I I actually have uh, a small piece of Nicolas Cage. I, I guess you can call it news, but um, you know, mm. uh, an I, I guess you could call it news, uh, an update, if you will. So uh, you you may have remembered a movie that we had covered, a newer Nicolas Cage movie called Willy's Wonderland. Uh-huh. Now, um, how could I forget? Yeah, so so when that movie came out, you know, a lot of people said, "Okay, well this is uh kind of a knockoff of Five Nights at Freddy's." And at the point uh that that movie came out, there was not going to be a Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Well, that recently has changed. Uh actually, I think this week, uh, yeah. the official Five Nights at Freddy's movie has dropped, and I just wanted to point out that the Rotten Tomatoes score for Five Nights at Freddy's is currently sitting at a 26%. Oh, now, that low. Yeah, uh, but actually... Willy's Wonderland is currently sitting at a 61. <laughs> so I swear our boy our boy Big Dick Nick may have just <laughs> cock slapped Freddy in his stupid bare face. 
Yeah, asshole. That's what you did. I thought that I had read the early reviews were positive. Uh, but I think a lot of I've, things that are usually yeah, wrong I mean, or inappropriate. I, I've heard that, you know, I've, I have a few friends that are fans of the franchise. And well, you tell they, your friends and you tell, it, you tell all the fans out there, when this movie comes out, I want to see you there. I want to see you at the premiere at the picket lines, protesting. Nick Cage did it first, and if you're going to do it again, he should be in there. Yep. Do it right. Do it yeah. right. It's plagiarism. That's really my view on it. It's straight-up plagiarism. That's what, I, that's what I was saying. A friend a friend of mine reached out to me, and he said, you know, hey, I heard there's a new Five Nights at Freddy movie. I'm super excited. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I heard that's just a ripoff of Willy's Wonderland. Yeah, it is. So I, I wouldn't... Oh, what was that? Did somebody drop out? No, uh, that was no. probably someone joining the stream. Oh. Um, was it Nick? I was going to make a terrible joke, so just for just forget what I was going to say. Hey, we're going to watch the Dream Scenario trailer by A24, starring Nicolas Cage, Julianne Nicholson, and Michael Sarah, Written and directed by Christopher Borgley. And it has a release date currently of... Oh! Next month, November 10th. Nice. I didn't, didn't know it was going to street so soon. So we may have a review for this um, earlier than anticipated. Yeah. Yeah, we should we should uh, reach out to A24, see if we can maybe get a... Uh, oh, that would be gold. Copy. That would be lit. Um, let me just read this little blurb about Dream Scenario. Hapless family man Paul Matthews, played by Nicolas Cage, finds his life turned upside down when millions of strangers suddenly start seeing him in their dreams. But when his nighttime appearances take a nightmarish turn, Paul is forced to navigate his newfound stardom in this wickedly entertaining comedy from writer-director Christopher Borgley and producer Ari Aster. Oh, wow. That's right, boys. All right, Buckle here we up. go. All right, let's do the trailer. <laughs> Why does the zebra look Nick's air it airline has seen better days. <laughs> Focus. Is this how it went? No, it's different now. Oh, you've been on my mind recently. Yeah. Because you keep popping up in my dreams. You don't do anything, you're just there. So, this specific person, <laughs> the remarkable nobody. He pops up in all of our dreams. Yeah. Right? Picture? Have you been dreaming about me? Have I been dreaming about you? Yeah. There's like a hundred messages. <laughs> Somebody wants to interview me. You I like this strange. character. Maybe you should take a minute and think before you do anything drastic. It's pretty different from who he normally plays. Yeah. Why me? Uh, I, I like that. I'm special, I guess. Maybe you should think before you do something drastic. Nick Cage. <laughs> Who's actually had a dream about me? Oh, we got some Crocs. Or Gators. Gators. It's getting me, but I'm going to have nightmares. Oh, I Freddy! People are dreaming about me too. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's something. <laughs> How's he dealing with all this? We're not even the I just wonder where this is going to go. You know? I get the setup, but where is this going? Maybe thousands. Mm. 
I hope I'm behaving through your dreams. Oh, no, you're not. So I'm finally cool, huh? I didn't say that. <laughs> you hear that, Janet? She's saying I'm a cool dad. Oh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you really feel like you're playing with fire here. Oh, God. Yeah, please help me. I'm not actually doing anything. That's cool. That's a really cool shot. Yes. <laughs> you should be prepared for that. Maybe we should cool this thing off. Okay. The what side effects. Which part? It's going to get weird. I guess I'll see in my dreams. Yeah. So of course not. <laughs> oh, I am stoked. Yeah, this looks good. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for this. Maybe, maybe they'll let me bring in my whole um, podcast recording setup into the theater so I can stream it for you guys when I see it. So. <laughs> That was a yeah, joke. I'm excited. Oh, man. We do like a live uh, theater experience. Yeah, yeah, it's totally a joke. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I assumed you were gonna fly up here, and we were just gonna make it all work. Nope. Okay. It's well, not gonna happen that thanks way. Thanks for getting my hopes up. Well, I'll make it up to you. I can appear in your dreams if you want. You know, I had a dream once. Mm-hmm. That there were two of me. Yeah. And then what? One of them was a girl. Okay. And then? That's the end of the dream. That is not the end of the dream. Because <laughs> I've heard this dream before. And I was hoping you would finish it. Yeah, so oh. was I. We're on to Snake Eyes, 1998 American mystery thriller film directed and produced by Brian De Palma. He has directed quite a few films. I know he directed the first Mission Impossible from 1996. Let's see, some cult favorites such as Sisters. I don't know that. Phantom of the Paradise, Blowout, Casualties of War, and Carlito's Way. Oh, okay. The Untouchables? Raising Scarface? Uh, oh, this guy is legit. Yeah. He he actually founded the Raising Cane's uh, Chicken uh, franchise. Is that... Are you are you messing with me right now? That's also tonight's sponsor. Because I was just there for lunch. Brian De Palma, thank you so much for raising canes. I like that sauce they use. Good stuff. Sauce. Nicholas Cage plays a detective investigating a political assassination. Spoilers! At a boxing match in Atlantic City, New Jersey. With supporting roles played by Gary Sinise, John Hurd, Kevin Dunn, Luis Guzman, other people. There's other people in the movie, but why do we even talk about them? Do you care about the other people? So, the only that other was a people... rhetorical question, Steve. Oh, sorry. But continue, I'm curious. Well, I was going to say the only other people that I find interesting about this movie specifically is Kevin Dunn. Mm. Um... You know that uh, Kevin Dunn's 
character okay. was uh, originally supposed to be Will Smith. No. Yeah. But uh, Will Smith t- turned down the role for, uh, what was he doing that year? En- Enemy Wild, of the Wild State. West. No, oh. en- en- Enemy <laughs> of the State. Another conspiracy thriller. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this was part of a kind of a trend at the time. These kind of political thrillers. Um, All I'm saying is that the the Secretary of Defense that got killed uh, looked looked a lot like Donald Rumsfeld. He did. Now that you mention it. Also, the music was done by Ryuichi Sakamoto, who passed away this year, this past March. R.I.P. Uh, world famous musician and producer. But the music to me sounded just, it sounded like um, kind of Star Wars-y at times. It sounded yeah. sci-fi at times. I felt like the music was a little all over the place, but it was good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty unique, actually. It I mean, was. It honestly, almost felt like something out of a video game at some yes. point. Yes. Totally agree. <laughs> totally. Steve, what totally were you tubular. doing? When you heard the music, what were you doing? The music to this? I was watching yeah. the movie. Okay, just making sure. I was right there with you guys. It didn't it didn't move you to do like some kind of interpretive dance or something? Not not this time, but not this time. It was good. It was good. Okay. Well, overall the film garnered mixed reviews from critics who criticized the film's story. Oh, everybody's gotta be a critic, huh? The writing and pacing while praising its style and the performances. It certainly has style and it also has performances. So they're right. They're right about that. That's true. Uh, It made about 104 mil against the 73 mil budget. So not bad. Um, Thank you, Nick Cage. Right. That's how we measure that he was successful. And if it had lost money, then we just blame um, everybody else. That's how it works, right? Yeah. Do we want this to talk about what movie. happened in the movie, or do we want to talk about how we felt about the movie? Um, <laughs> that's up to you. I'm prepared to go either way. <laughs> well, it's set we in give, like I said. Give a little recap. Yeah, it's it's in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and it's at a boxing match, and it's a very very stormy night. As the, the first scene cues you in on that with the. Um, the weather lady talking about the storm, and it just kind tropical of tropical storm Jezebel. That's right. It's not, but it's not a hurricane yet, yet. But there just so happens to be Lincoln Tyler, heavyweight champion, playing tonight, playing boxing tonight against uh, Jose Pacifico Ruiz. So it's supposed to be a, a big match. Like, what would you compare this to? This would be like um, Logan Paul versus. Um, um, uh, Alf? I don't know. <laughs> uh, police detective Rick Santorum. Rick Santorum. Rick Santoro. He's at, he's at the boxing match. He's meeting up with his best friend who is a U.S. Navy commander, Kevin Dunn, played by Gary Sinise, 
who works with the Department of Defense. I don't know how many times he says, I'm DOD, I'm DOD, I'm DOD. I'm DOD, bitches. He's escorting Defense Secretary Charles Kirkland and Arena Director Gilbert Powell. Now, I, I kept hearing the name Powell. And it wasn't until towards the end of the movie that I figured it out. But I thought that they were actually talking about Colin Powell. <laughs> oh. So I was a little confused for a bit. Uh, yeah. So they're at the fight after a trip to Norfolk, Virginia. That's important to the story. But you see Kevin Dunn, the, the escort for the defense secretary kind of makes a boo-boo and doesn't do a very good job. And the defense secretary, Charles Kirkland, ends up with a hole in uh, his chest. Just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just need but to this, be a little hole. But, but this whole scene, this whole sequence of events is shot really cool. It gives you the impression that it's one long continuous take. And I think we all agreed that that was impressive. And I actually just read that the opening 20-minute sequence is actually not one continuous shot. There are hidden edits. But at least, at least 12 minutes of it was done in a single take. Dang. And, and, and I would say the effectiveness of this movie is in how it shows you this opening scene, but then later it kind of fills it in. It's a good thriller in that sense, right? You start yeah, it to almost. Like... Go ahead. It it almost gives you the, you know, it the different perspectives of the people that you see at the beginning of the movie. Because I remember Reese, mm-hmm. you made this comment that you know we're watching a boxing match, but they don't show us the boxing match. Yes. But then, you know, eventually as the movie goes on, you kind of see these different angles of what's going on and it reveals more about you know the greater scheme of what's happening right i always get suspicious in a movie when there is um there is some action happening off screen and actors are reacting to it for um longer than feels right so that's either intentional or bad filmmaking and this quality of a film obviously is not bad so that made me suspicious oh i wonder why they're not showing that and then of course we find out um kind of like how this movie is structured and that it was intentional which i appreciated i thought that was cool but there's all these other little elements happening in the scene as well and there's a lot of character building happening at this time because we're finding out that rick santoro is uh, I mean, would you call you'd call him a dirty cop, right? I mean, you, he he takes bribes, he's betting on this match, he's trying to make a lot of money, he's very comfortable in his life as someone happily married but also actively cheating on his wife. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and he kind of kind of brags about it. Yeah, 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 he brags about it. People in his <clears throat> people. I mean, in he his seems like a pretty good know, guy to me, but. By today's standards, it's just kind of like whatever. Hey, he he's a cop that doesn't beat his wife. So I mean, uh, after bad lieutenant, he's a saint to me. That's honestly. what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, sports betting is is legal now. So yeah, nothing yeah. wrong there. Yeah. There you go. He did nothing wrong. Yeah. 
So he gets distracted a, by an attractive redhead. I like how attractive is actually written in there. Like, isn't that subjective? I don't know if she was really attractive, I guess. An attractive Reese. redhead named nope. Serena who wears a ruby ring. Oh, yeah. And There's nobody who doesn't find Miss Bellum from Powerpuff Girls attractive. Oh, don't sure. get me going. This is supposed to be PG-13, Sean. <laughs> is it? I don't know. <laughs> I mark every episode. I mark every episode as explicit because I don't want to deal with that. Um, she leaves her seat and is then taken by Julia Costello, a mysterious woman with platinum blonde hair and a white satin suit. When Ruiz unexpectedly knocks out Tyler, gunshots ring out, mortally wounding Kirkland and grazing Julia, who loses her glasses and blonde wig. So we see she has naturally dark hair. Kevin Dunn, who is... The commander who is escorting, um, what is he, the defense secretary? He then kills the sniper. I'd just like to say that no Kirkland products were harmed in the making of this movie. That's great, yeah. I, I was also curious, I didn't see any Costco ads. That's um, true. Yeah, I don't think Nick has a membership, so Maybe you know not. they're really cracking down on that. So the arena goes into lockdown, and I'm wondering if this is going to become a diehard kind of situation where Nick Cage is going to have to kill a lot of people. And I was, I was fine with that. But it's a smarter movie than that. It's not really what happens. Um, Julia escapes into the casino and covers her wounds in pieces of cloth after stealing a black satin jacket, and she disguises herself as a hooker. Rick Cage notices that the knocked out, quote unquote, Tyler awoke instantly when the shots rang out and he studies the fight tape and realizes that the punch didn't connect, which is hilarious because when I saw that in the movie, I thought that that was a goof. But no, see, I, I always think I'm smarter than these movies. So Nick Cage then meets up with old Tyler, who confesses that he threw the fight in order to pay off some gambling debts, but he didn't know that anyone would be killed, and he reveals that Serena the redhead, who tricked Kevin into leaving his post, paid him to take a dive. With Tyler, Serena, and the sniper, along with the man who signaled Tyler to go down, and whoever gave him the go-ahead involved... What kind of sentence is this? This whole thing needs to be copy edited right here. With Tyler. <laughs> what the fuck? Tell me if this sentence makes sense. Tell me Sorry. tell me if this tell me if this sentence makes sense to you. With Tyler, Serena and the sniper, along with the man who signaled Tyler to go down and whoever gave him the go ahead involved Rick, suspecting a conspiracy, reveals everything he has learned to Kevin, who confesses that the trip to Norfolk, Norfolk was to test Norfolk. the Air Guard Metal Gear missile defense system, which Powell's company was backing. Yeah. Was, was that a real sentence? Yeah, they were naming off people. There was maybe some missing commas, but... Jeez. Or extra commas. In my head. 
The, this episode is brought to us by Grammarly. Do you want to write more gooder than <laughs> enable the Grammarly Chrome extension? Nick Cage figures out that the sniper is a known Palestinian terrorist named Tariq Ben Rabat who assassinated Kirkland over the Pentagon's large-scale defense cooperation with... with... This, see, this is so bad, the way they wrote this. It needs edited. <laughs> Nick Cage figures out that the sniper is a known Palestinian terrorist named Tariq Ben Rabat, who assassinated Kirkland over the Pentagon's large-scale defense cooperation with... Oh, and weapons systems transfers to Israel. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Does someone else want to take over? No, keep going. You're doing great. I love it. Holy shit. I love it. Um, We'll just fix it and post at it. I may even keep it. I don't know. Just like to say that uh, Nicolas Cage, a full Hamas supporter. There we go. Uh, Here it comes. Speaking so, of Hamas supporters, did you know that Gilbert Powell's uh-huh. character is actually based on Donald Trump? No. Yeah. Is that so? Yep. Well, nothing. His character, his character in um, Home Alone too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we've already have we already revealed that that Nick Cage's best friend, the commander, Rick, is actually a bad guy. Was that obvious in in my plot synopsis? Um, I think so, but I think you gave up halfway through. Yeah. Well, and Nick Cage doesn't he doesn't want to believe that. He doesn't. He's no. not on to Kevin for some no. time. Not Kevin. Anyone but Kevin. He's too lame. He's my favorite minion. That was terrible. I've watched too much minions. So Rick studies the surveillance footage to find Serena, while Kevin continues searching for Julia, aided by Powell's security guards. However, once they split up, it is revealed, there it is, that Kevin is actually the fifth party and mastermind of the conspiracy. He then kills Serena... And the man who signaled Tyler to go down. That's right. There's that guy in the crowd. He looks like the bad guy from Last Action Hero or something. And he has that, some kind of code phrase he's telling them. When they, when they say the code phrase, that's when um, Tyler was supposed to throw the match. But he screwed up. Um, he wants to kill them and hide their bodies to um, prevent the truth from getting out. And Kevin then enlists Tyler by revealing the truth to him. Julia seduces Ned Campbell. I, all I could think of by this name was Nev. Nev Campbell was that the chick from Scream? <laughs> but Ned Campbell looked like um, what's what's his name? The guy from Seinfeld or the guy from Jurassic Park who tried to steal the DNA? That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. He's this sleazy gambling guy, and both Rick and Kevin 
um, discover this simultaneously and give chase. But Rick reaches her first and takes her into protective custody. I'm going to save you. In a stairwell, Julia confesses that she's actually an analyst. So this was the Metal Gear Solid cutscene, in my opinion. Yeah. Because she reveals that she's an analyst who worked on the air guard tests. And Snake, I discovered the results were faked to make the missile defense system look like it was working when it was actually not. The system failed to work, and she tipped off Kirkland to the deception. Um, however, Kevin discovered her actions and arranged the entire conspiracy to kill both her and Kirkland using Rabat's background as a rabidly anti-Israel terrorist. To have him kill the Secretary of Defense and then be immediately killed off himself. Rick discovers Kevin's involvement and, despite initially refusing to believe it, is that's all they're going to say about that? The dude was in straight-up denial. Can't be him. He finally accepts the truth. So then she, then Nick Cage throws Julia in a, a warehouse and locks the door. Cage. In <laughs> Cage! While he inspects the footage of a new floating camera, a camera on a dirigible, we would call that today in the the 2020s a drone, but this was pre-drone technology, and discovers for himself that best friend Kevin, yeah, he's uh, helping the terrorist. Actually, probably hired the terrorist and also killed the terrorist. Does that kind of make him a good guy, though? Wow, what a conundrum. Like, if you hire terrorists to, well, to execute a terrorist attack... The hiring of the terrorists, was he actually a terrorist, or was that like an undercover identity mm. as a terrorist, or was no, he like he an was, ex-terrorist that had become part of the military? Is he a counter-terrorist? I think he was definitely working in... Uh, well, that's a counter-strike thing. He was definitely working out of <laughs> hatred for Israel. Okay. Kevin I mean, confronts Rick. Okay, what? No, you you're not you're not finished. Let me hear your argument. I was just gonna say it just confused me. That's all. Yeah. I was his his sure. role in all of that as a yeah. terrorist was confusing. Yeah, they didn't really there's there wasn't like an extended conversation between Rick and this guy. Yeah. Right. So that could have been a little bit clearer. I agree. Kevin confronts Rick and confesses that his motive was to prevent any further attacks on U.S. ships. This reminded me of The Rock. Remember yeah. when Ed Harris yeah. and The Rock is like, I gotta protect my men. Um, so he name drops USS Renville, which I think is kind of fake as fuck. I don't think this actually happened, but it said that uh, Kevin had to leave several men to drown in order to prevent the ship from sinking following an Iraqi missile strike. So he offers Should Rick... Have been called Renfield. <laughs> he offers Rick $1 million for Julia's location. Um, Rick says, yeah, she's over here, and opens the door, and they both kill her and run off and then the missile system gets put into um, Israel Schools. and they blow up all the nations around the world and then everyone gets nuked except Nick Cage and Rick and they live in a biodome with a bunch of hookers and they get to gamble every day and that's how it ends. It's great. Great. And that's the segue into Escape from New Jersey with Snake Plissken. Yeah. 
It's crazy how it all worked out. I'm lying. Yeah. I'm lying. Nick Cage, his character, obviously refuses to give up the location of Julia. So Which Kevin definitely has, pissed Kevin off. Yeah, he didn't like that. This is the like, sign no, you're going to be a good guy? Bullshit. Right, right, right. I've been able to bribe you, like, this whole time. So Kevin has Tyler, the boxer dude, uh, beat the hell out of him. But you know, Rick has some guts. He has some balls. Right? He doesn't yeah. give in. He doesn't break. So Kevin, very clearly in front of the camera, so the camera can see, um, plants a tracking device on Rick's back and follows him to the warehouse. Just, no, just as uh, leaves it, leaves him there unconscious and just walks <laughs> well, off. That's right. That's right. They leave him there, and then he gets up and he's like, "Oh, they're gonna kill! They're gonna kill Julia! Julia! They're gonna kill you!" Rachel. He saunters like a zombie to her location, and it's a very awkward <laughs> follow scene where um, Rick follows him, and it's just it's just weird. I don't know. Steve commented on it, and I was like, yeah, it's odd. But that's how he learns the location of Julia. And then suddenly, the movie just gets really weird here for some reason. I mean, you forget all about this storm. There's certain points in the movie where you can tell there's a storm, but I forgot about it. And then suddenly it becomes Uh, an actual hurricane. Yeah, I feel like they just planted that seed at the beginning just to add tension for the finale yeah it doesn't play any part in the movie no they could have at least had like the power flicker or something what year did uh perfect storm come out because i remember perfect storm being really popular when i was a kid which would have been around the same time okay um so i'm wondering yeah it was i don't know it was just after that 2000 yeah but the thing is, with, with this storm, there's really, like, two scenes where they show it. That's at the very beginning with the reporter, and then at the end, when it becomes a hurricane, and it knocks over the big uh, Powell globe from the top of the arena. But I feel like I don't understand why they needed this setup. I understand why they used this setup in um, Con Air. Do you remember they couldn't get the plane off the ground because there was a storm, right? Yeah. Is that Con Air? So yeah, my I guess like, okay. is it was something to go along the lines with, you know, people being trapped there. And Right, right. And they also decided. kind of explaining why Nick doesn't have any backup. Okay. All right. Sure. Okay. There's a storm and that's limiting police response and whatnot. And like Sean said, it does add some tension, which this movie desperately tries to do throughout and and it's not all bad i thought that the um the suspense is actually pretty well done however i guess we should finish the the plot for our uh snake eyes fans out there who are just like come on just get to the end just do it so the patriots ai is resurrected and (laughs) kevin gets inside of the newly uh, newly built Metal Gear Ouroboros. Ouroboros. Yeah, and the psychic tech, the psi tech is just phenomenal. Um, When a tidal wave hits the boardwalk, 
Rick uses it as cover to rush Julia outside, where the police, tipped off by Rick, are waiting, and they witness Kevin opening fire. And then we had this scene, right? Um, Unable to escape both the police and the news crew, Kevin commits suicide during the live news feed, which was a questionable manner of doing so, because the, the camera was facing his back. So they were arguing the gun. to try to get the, the rating turned down to a PG-13. Is that your theory? No, that's that's why. They were trying really? to get, yeah, they were trying to get uh, oh. the studio wanted the ratings changed from R to a PG thirteen. That's so interesting. In end, I lost. love that factoid. Yeah, yeah, because he like shoots himself in the. It's like in the chest or something, but yeah, like but the most looks weird like it, angle that mm-hmm. couldn't possibly be done. I mean, I'll just say it this way: it looked like he shot himself in a way that um, he could survive. Right. If they got to him right then. But but I'm not a doctor. I'm not I'm not what's her name from City of Angels, Meg Ryan. I'm not a surgeon. So I don't know. Maybe it is fatal. Poor guy though. It's sad that his life had to get to that point after um trying to kill a bunch of people in a major federal government conspiracy for this weapon system. Nicholas Cage a.k.a. Rick Santoro, is later hailed as a hero, but the press soon uncovers his corruption, because, right, he wasn't always the best cop. Um, So he loses his job and his family. But before going to prison, he meets up with Julia on the boardwalk, and they have this really nice, like... uh, (laughs) Romantic Touched, Touched by an angel. Yeah. Touched by an angel scene. Yeah. Where she's like, thank you. I think what you did was really great. You actually saved the world. And he's like, I don't believe in saving the world. I just, but I do think you're hot. You got, you got a wife. Now she ran out on me. You got a girlfriend. Now she ran out on me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when am I going to get to see you again? 12 to 18 months. Oh, I can't wait, baby. It right. Is, yeah. Yeah. And then how about that ending credits? So weird. Oh yeah. It's like it's like watching the village people do construction. Yeah. And and it's just got a and they you know they're playing that one song that's kind of very 90s rock, a bit um light. However, it's slowly zooming in onto this column, this slab of concrete, and it is it isn't until I think the credits are completely rolled. Yeah. That you see that chick's ring, her ruby ring in there, and you realize that they had uh they had buried her, or what do you call it? Um Cemented. Cemented her. There's a better verb. But her ass was inside that thing. You know what I mean? It'd be like, you know how you can get those 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 uh those eggs Yeah, like a wonder Barnes egg. Noble where yeah, and you can chip away and get a present what's in a wonder ball <laughs> who knows what surprises <laughs> the wonder ball may hide yeah it's that kind of thing so I guess it is kind of fun yeah. to think about it that way yeah. just get a sledgehammer and go out there. I wonder what's in this giant slab of concrete 
Oh, snake eyes. And they also say snake eyes twice. Yeah, they do get the twice. line there. I was proud of them for that. They said the line! Yeah, both Cage and Gary Sinise. I have to admit that I found this movie, I'm surprised I've never heard of it before. Okay. Um, I feel like it's underrated on one hand, where uh-huh. it's it's a good watch, um, but it's not. It definitely has its its flaws. It's not a. Okay. It's not a. a you know, a, it's not a high. It, it didn't rate well for a reason. But yeah. I I enjoyed it mm-hmm. more than good. more than oh. uh, Andrew and Amos. <laughs> Andrew and Amos. <laughs> <laughs> I I actually enjoyed it too. I kind of I was expecting a little bit more face off, and by that I mean style. Mm-hmm. And it kind of started out that way, but then I appreciated more of the Mission Impossible elements to it, which is the snappy dialogue and kind of how it's edited and the the time breaking stuff. That's when I was like, oh, okay, this movie is smarter than I thought going into it. I like, but apparently the- a lot of. Un- uncovering the mystery bits of it too, um, where they kind of like keep reassessing the same story over and over again. It kind of reminded me of uh, of uh, like Memento, or and this is we've got a okay. cageless plan for this coming up. But uh, Happy Death Day has some of those elements in it. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine that it does, but that's that's great. I've never seen it. Yeah. So okay. Huh, I wonder what Cage's opinion of Happy Death Day would be. I don't know. He he would probably like it. It seems like it's up his alley. Uh, so, but, you know, like, like I said, Brian De Palma did the first Mission Impossible, and I was super young when I first saw that. But I remember that that movie does a great job um, balancing style with that kind of uh, intellectual type of intrigue. Mm-hmm. I guess you could even call it political intrigue. Even though I would argue both of these movies, I mean, they, they haven't aged the greatest. They still feel very 90s. Would you say that the, that this is a, a somewhat topical movie for what's going on in the world right now, though? I feel like, honestly, if this movie disappeared from streaming for a while, I would put on my tinfoil hat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because of the whole yeah. Israel, Palestine, Gaza, Hamas, all that. Yeah. Um, this movie actually was one of the first Nicolas Cage movies I had ever heard of when I was young. Yeah. Um, my 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 dad actually is not a very big Nicolas Cage fan. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, which is why we no longer talk. But, uh, <laughs> no, no, dad. But this was a movie that he, he always really liked and he always had this on VHS. I, I had seen parts yeah. of it here and there, but mm-hmm. you know, and so it was, it was good finally getting to see the whole thing. Yeah. And I mean, I think overall, like this is the type of role that that Nick really excels in. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he, he's really he plays a lot of dirty cops. Yeah. I mean, there's only Agreed. been I think one time when he's played a a good cop. 
Right. And, it's true. And it it could happen to you, but uh and and I mentioned this while we were watching the film, but I felt like his performance, in his performance, he was channeling a lot of Jack Nicholson from Chinatown. Yeah. And that's a one of my that's one of my favorite detective thrillers, old school detective movie, and I just really felt that with all the smoking and the quips and the kind of anti-hero vibes. So I got a lot of Jack Nicholson um, feeling from that. But th- that's fine. I, I felt like the way that Nick would deliver his lines and stuff was super entertaining. And it kept the movie flowing nicely. And he also was uh, just, just dressed like a Yakuza character. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, having never seen this before or even knowing anything about it only having seen the cover or the poster i remember seeing this the vhs cover at the rental store when i was a kid and i always assumed that this movie was about some like um corrupt um vegas dealer yeah that's what i was gonna say snake eyes is more of like a gambling thing and there was like a lot of gambling nuance in this but it was not a gambling movie so that's why I was surprised when it opened up with boxing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Not what I expected. Yeah, really, the only Snake Eyes uh, reference are, you know, just the two lines and the fact that it um, takes place in Atlantic City. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, the fe- the setting isn't even really that important. Right. What other thoughts on Snake Eyes? Anything stick out to you, fellas? No, no. Like I said, it was a it was a decent overall movie. I um... yeah. You know, the last couple movies that we've watched together, we've kind of rated as mid in terms of overall cage tastic films, and I would I would probably rate this one a little higher than mid, personally. Yeah, I, thought, I was actually going to wait until after the recording, but I was going to ask if you guys have ratings for this, like on a five-point scale. On a five? Yeah. Hmm. Probably give it a seven. Seven oh, out of five? <laughs> uh, seven, out, seven out of ten, maybe like a 3.5 3. 5. 5. Yeah. 5 out of, out of five. That's about where I was at, honestly. It's like a three, yeah. three, five for me. It was an enjoyable watch. I think if I rewatched it, I might go lower. But watching it for the first time, it was probably a solid mm-hmm. three, five for me. Yeah, I mean, we do have to admit there's really no solid cage outs. There's a lot of great. There's a lot of great lines, but there's no like real freak outs. There's him getting his ass kicked. That's true though, but as in comparison to like the last movie where we only had one good solid freak out and like the rest of it we yeah. didn't really get anything throughout. We got like a nice spread of of cagesms throughout the movie, which I think mm-hmm. made it a lot more enjoyable. And I do think Cage was pretty committed to this character. Yeah. I, I felt I felt immersed in the story with his acting and not taken out of it like 
I've experienced with a number of his films. Well, if you remember too, when we were recording, I even had like a point in the very beginning where you were like, you actually there. And I'm like, this is just, there's it's fast paced. There's so much going on. I'm like struggling to keep up with what's going on. And then yeah. like after the gunshot, like everything really slowed down and it was, it was almost like it was intentional to just kind of overload you with information in the beginning. And if you notice, like a lot of the key elements that you pick up on throughout the movie all took place in those mm. first five minutes. But there was just so right. much going on that it was kind of hard yes. to figure out what's important, what's not, what's going right. on. And that is a great point. With a movie like this, the first, what, 10, 15, 20 minutes are absolutely essential to the rest of the movie. Yeah. The whole setup, you have to pay particular attention to. But it can be difficult because they're also introducing characters. They're delivering lines very quickly. Things are moving so fast that it's hard to absorb everything. So I think what was nice about us watching it together is, at least for me, I was able to ask some questions and get some answers to things that I missed. Yeah. Did you guys know that there was an unused ending? Check this out. I'm getting this from Wikipedia. The original ending involved a huge tidal wave going through the casino. Oh, man. This visual effects heavy ending was cut and replaced with a reshot sequence and post, but numerous references to it still remain in the final film. A shot near the end of the film shows an ambulance driving down an oceanside road with a wave about to crash into it before the film cuts to another shot. I remember that. Rick Santoro oh. talks about almost drowning at the very end of the film. Yeah. I wondered what that was about, too, because he was never in water. Yeah. Yeah. And references to a storm are made throughout the entire film, which, which we mentioned earlier. And they were all meant to build up to this cut climax. There's your answer, okay. guys. That makes sense. There it is. It's just, it's kind of a shame that uh, all those holes weren't quite patched in. It seemed likely that there was some purpose for it, but yeah. yeah. Can we safely say that the IDF changed the ending of this movie? <laughs> God. Oh man, I don't know what's going to happen to us making IDF jokes. We're probably the only podcast in the world. Um, we're... Oh man, our weapon systems are about to get shut down, folks. It's a, it's okay if Joe Rogan doesn't get shut down, then I think we'll be fine. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, Nick Cage did win a favorite actor in the suspense category at the Blockbuster Entertainment Awards, which I, I don't know if those are still happening, but uh, I think they are. Job. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know a fun fact about Gary Sinise? Guys, yeah. this is a little close to home for us. Gary Sinise is actually, he's super active with his um, charity organization. Oh, he started the Lieutenant Dan Band. That's the character from Forrest Gump. They play at military bases around the world, but they also tour the country. And I know this because they visited our hometown, Steve and myself, Marietta, Ohio, and Gary Sinise came with the band, and they painted... Steve, I don't know if you know this on... Is it... It's either Pike Street or Green Street. There's a, a building with this huge American flag painted on it. Really beautiful flowing flag. Yeah. Well, that was painted by 
Gary Sinise's um, organization. Okay. So they came and did some kind of uh, outreach thing in Marietta many years ago. Hmm. So. But I... I was surprised seeing him as the bad guy, even though I predicted it, kind of. I was like, oh, these... Nick Cage and this guy are really friendly. Nick Nick is about to get betrayed. He just can't have good, good adult friendships. But he did make some friends with some females, and that is what is important in a Nick Cage film, folks. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I would say 3.5, 3.6 on my scale, on my gator scale. How many iguanas (laughs) out of 10? (laughs) I would give it six iguanas and then a half of an iguana, but the upper half with the head, not the ass end. (laughs) And that's saying something. Fucking iguanas. Snake Eyes, everyone. Go out there and rent it today. John Hurd is in it. Yeah. That was Kevin's dad in Home Alone. Kevin's dad is in Snake Eyes, people. There's also Stan Shaw. That guy who's in also things that you have seen. Luis Guzman. Luis Guzman. Who is from Calle, Puerto Rico, where I've been many times really and had no idea just watch the movie it's it's a good movie it's worth watching <laughs> it's uh it gives it gets a cage approval mike star from dumb and dumber and uncle uncle buck <laughs> hell yeah get out there and watch snake eyes before it gets removed <laughs> What's what's coming next, Steve? We gotta let the people know. The next movie on our list is Eight Millimeter. Eight Millimeter is next. Next is also a Nick Cage movie. Jeez, have I already made that joke? Probably. Who cares? Uh, but I'm pretty sure that's next season. It is next season. Yeah, I made that mistake already in The Bad Lieutenant. I'm like, yeah, this season's going to be great. I can't wait to watch all these awesome movies with Sean that we're not actually going to watch this season. I know. I actually pulled the list up because I was like, man, this is going to be great. We're starting with Snake Eyes and we're going to finish with National Treasure. Two movies about conspiracy, but I forgot. Oh, you know, we are ending with National Treasure, aren't we? We're trapped in paradise. We are. I think National Treasure is like the natural ending for the season. Yeah. Yeah, personally. Yeah, actually, I think it is the end of the season. Because I think we're done Trapped in Paradise early for Christmas. Which, which, Sean, if it makes you feel better, I think we actually did a podcast about this before. That, I don't know if you were a part of it, but, huh? About Trapped in Paradise? Yeah. I I definitely watched that one. Yeah, I did too. Well, that's what and we're going to watch. I lost it or something. Next week. That's the next one then. Okay. All right. Wait a minute. No, eight millimeters next week. Well, no, I was wrong. I was looking at the order wrong. Trapped in Paradise is next. Think, Steve, you got to think about the people that are listening to this point and then they turn it off. I'm like, okay, eight millimeters next. Cool. I'm done. Well, now they're going to be pissed. Yeah. I didn't have things. I had things organized by release here instead of by our planned watch date. 
Did you fix it? Yeah. So it's trapped in paradise okay, next. Great. Oh, cool. I can't wait to watch that one again. But at least it will be with you guys. It's a good movie. So Trapped in Paradise, then 8mm? Uh, Trapped in Paradise, and then the rest of the Christmas. We've also got Family oh. Man, Christmas Carol. We've got... Yeah, yeah, yeah we've but got when is 8mm? 8mm doesn't come until after Christmas. So we just did Snake okay. Eyes. Now we've got Christmas yeah. with Cage. I know. I appreciate you being patient with me because I could always just look at that file well, yeah, right, but, and see for myself. That's why <laughs> I, I screwed up, so I have to fix it. First we did Snake Eyes, yeah, then we've yeah. got Christmas with Cage. We've got okay. Christmas You're specials, Corrupt in Paradise, Christmas Carol. All right, all right. And okay. uh, Family Man. Well, I'm going to be releasing a graphic on our Facebook page for all you old people. That's where you can see the order of the films we're going to talk about. I believe it should be accurate. If not, I'll fix it. But that's going up soon, so you can follow along with us. We're going to keep this train going. We're going to keep this plane full of convicts going. You feel me? See what you did there. Because that is the life of cage worship. That is what we do for our Lord. Any final thoughts on Snake Eyes? Last chance. There aren't any actual snakes in the movie, so just... Which is a surprise. The name of the film is actually in reference to the vials that... uh, um, What's his name? Um, Luis Guzman. Oh, I was going to say Sinbad uh, was carrying... (laughs) (laughs) Is that true? Yeah, they were uh, vials of snake eyes. What does that mean, though? Is Snake Eyes a drug reference, or are they actual Snake Eyes? Um, Is this a joke that I just don't get? It's a joke that I don't get, and I made it. Find out more on the next episode (laughs) of Late Night Cage Fight. (laughs) Because I thought they were uh, AAA batteries. I did, too, actually. When I jumped them out at first, I was like, oh, he's got a bunch of batteries on him. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and then he started stomping. It's the '90s. It's the '90s, so I thought maybe that was like for his cell phone yeah. or something. <laughs> oh man! Well, thank you for listening, everyone. What a great discussion about this awesome film. Next time we're going to be talking about Trapped in Paradise with Nicolas Cage. Um, remember, check out Dream Scenario next month. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Cage out. Cage out. Cage out. Love it.